Hello, I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Rick and Joni Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430, 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Andrew Ellsworth, ready to answer our medical questions. Dr. Ellsworth's specialty is family medicine. He works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Ellsworth. Good morning, Laura. We're just coming off this holiday weekend or week or whatever it is where the 4th of July is on a Wednesday so or on a Tuesday. So here we are now on a, on a Wednesday as I was walking in. People were greeting me saying, we don't know what day it is, but some of us are, are here and ready to work uh, this morning and some might still be recovering. I'm here. You're here. I'm here. You're making me a little nervous this morning, but uh, he walked in just in time. No problem. Just just uh, trying to do my best Dr. Holm impression. So. Right. Yes. Well, it is July, which I know is one of your favorite months, Andrew. So here yes. we are. The hardest summer. Uh, so we got to enjoy it, right? Andrew's got a birthday. My birthday month. Andrew's got a birthday And the July. fourth is one of the best holidays. So it's great. Yeah, it is good. It is good. Well, listeners are already on top of things this morning and calling in with questions. So we're going to dive right into our first question this morning. What is the best way to remove earwax? Boy, that is a good question. You know, we don't really recommend doing anything in general. Okay. So I, I never clean out my ears. Um, now, granted, some people seem to be more prone than others, and I'm sure there's some wax in there, and once in a while I'll take my finger. Mm-hmm. But other than that, we don't really recommend sticking things in ears because there's a lot of times people accidentally do something. Um, even if they've always stuck a Q-tip in the ear, doesn't mean that sometime they might not have a problem. Right. And um, <clears throat> So what are some of the risks if you do put something in your ear? Well, you know, sometimes you're getting some out, uh-huh. but then you're also pushing half of or more of it in. Okay. And now it's a bigger clump in there that's stuck in there. And now you will need someone to do something f- from it eventually to get that actually get that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also you could perforate or poke, a, poke your tympanic membrane, your eardrum. Mm-hmm. So poke a hole in your eardrum, and then, and then you'll have more problems. Sure. Um, or scratch. The, the, the skin inside the ear canal is really thin and and tears or scratches easily and then that can bleed or get infected or anything. So that, that wouldn't be good either. Mm-hmm. So in general, nothing. Um, I, or, you know, at the clinic we do irrigate them sometimes. And what does that mean? So we, we squirt water in to get the earwax out. Uh-huh. And that's something you can even just schedule at the clinic yourself. You don't need to see a doctor. You can schedule that with a workup nurse. Um, but, uh, um, perhaps there's some home remedies to, 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 to squirt water out, uh, to squirt, use water gently. Mm -hmm. That's the thing, you you know, you too much pressure and you could also burst your eardrum. So it might be nice to have someone who does it regularly as a professional. Um, at the clinic, I will remove wax manually, but using my otoscope where I can visualize it. And I've got a couple little tools I can use to to scoop it out or grab it um 
it, it can help to soften it up first. So sometimes we'll recommend people use some um, eardrops of like oil um, to, to soften it up first. And, uh, you know, some of those candle ones where you could burn yourself mm-hmm. and sometimes you're getting some of it to drip out. But also uh, here's that I see that people do that. It's just caked everywhere in there because hmm. they kind of melted it. But then it smeared all in there and, and then solidified again. And so then that I don't know how you get that good other than irrigating it sometime again. But so I don't really recommend that either. And the professionals, I guess I'm kind of a professional. But anyway, the <laughs> the, the national ear people yes. don't really recommend doing that either. Okay. I remember when one of our kids was young, uh, tons of earwax build up. And so we had to, I brought him to the nurse and uh, yeah, they just flushed it out and we got it. We got it. And I was totally impressed with that process. So sometimes you do get this hard chunk that's just stuck there and um, need some help getting those out. So yeah, it was fascinating to see how just took some water and eventually that little chunk just floated out. Um, but if you, in general, if you don't do anything. Yep. Over time, your ear can more easily use it little hairs in there and and to help get the wax out naturally and and the wax is there to help keep some things from going in your ear in the first place sure. so it it forms a it a has purpose. a purpose it has a purpose uh, but there's okay. sometimes person comes in just really feeling like there's something in their ear, it hurts, or even some dizziness. and okay. sometimes, and, Or an end, of course, if it's completely full and blocked, they can't hear or can't mm-hmm. hear as well. And then we get the wax out, and that's better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like I remember many years ago, uh, you had, was it a bug flew in someone's ear? Yeah, you know, you work long enough, and you've taken out a variety of things out of people's awful. ears. Sounds awful. So yeah, there was there was even a live bug. I've I've was taken it a out moth or I, something I, silly like that. Yeah, I think it was a moth, and it was fluttering as oh. I as I took it out then. But uh, he had kind of burled his way in there, and so we got that out. But I've taken also dead flies mm-hmm. um and uh <laughs> or little plastic beads or whatever a kid sure. chose to put in there yeah 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 so <laughs> always something interesting huh i feel like we could do like a halloween horror show of like awful things in people's ears yeah all right give someone a phobia right now yes yes <laughs> <laughs> can walk around with ear protection. Speaking of ear protection, you know, we had uh, nephews with us for 4th of July wearing their ear protection. Let's talk a second about that and how, some ways that we should keep in mind. I know many of us are mowing right now, so we try to protect our ears. We have a son who's starting to mow, so we're um, pretty consistently making sure he wear- covers his ears to protect his e- hearing, running those loud machines. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, you know, all that... Over time and time again, hearing loss from loud noises and mowing can certainly be one of them, mm-hmm. let alone um, eye protection, too, because there's things that fly out sometimes, especially when you're trimming or depending on how your mower is and, and everything, things can fly out. Right. So, yeah. Good to yep. wear eye protection, too. Yep. Perfect. Well, let's go to our first break and we'll give our listeners an opportunity to call in with more questions this morning. It oh, doesn't have yes. to be uncool. 
Oh, it's not uncool. No, no, because you can have sunglasses on, and no one's going to give you a hard time for wearing sunglasses and right. some cool shades. And then, and meanwhile, you can maybe listen to music. Just don't turn it way up high. Mm-hmm. And and there you've got your ear protection, or at least people might think you've got music on. Yeah. You don't even have to have music. Yeah. On, so. Listen to Bob as yeah. you uh, do that, or listen the to twins, that twins exactly. game. Exactly. All right, well, we'll go to our first break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. 605-692-1430. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. The grass is growing, and that means it's time to mow. Please remember these safety measures to protect your health. Wear goggles, hearing protection, gloves, and long pants. Always wear sturdy closed-toed shoes while mowing the lawn. Do not drink alcohol or use other substances before or while using your lawnmower. Do not remove safety devices or guards on the mower and never insert hands or feet into the mower to remove grass or debris. Parents, teach these safety measures to your children. This safety tip is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Dr. Ellsworth, your essay this week, Do Not Miss the Signs of a Blood Clot. Uh, So you talk about how the symptoms of a blood clot can easily be confused with other common symptoms. Uh, Sometimes it's just shortness of breath or feeling like you're a bit congested. Uh, Let's talk about what are some of those symptoms of a blood clot that we should be aware of. Yeah, shortness of breath, uh, and uh, it can be pleuritic chest pain. What does uh, that mean? Pain with breathing. Pain with breathing. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, all a lot of these symptoms can can happen with numerous other things. That doesn't mean you have a blood clot in your lungs, sure. but but it, but it can. Um, so shortness of breath, cough, low oxygen level, um, which then of course could make you feel short of breath. You might be wheezing, um, and like I said, the chest pain, which wouldn't have to be pleuritic, it could just be chest pain too. Um, you could have swelling of a of a leg uh or arm for that matter if you have a blood clot in the leg Mm -hmm. and and then sometimes that clot can break off from the leg and go up into the lung and cause a pulmonary embolism Mm -hmm. um so those are some examples you might have a, a fever or a high heart rate or um be breathing quick more quickly those can also be a sign so what is a blood clot? It's uh, inside the vessels, mm-hmm. inside your chest, uh, that are supporting the lungs from the heart if there's a clot in there. Mm-hmm. And then that part of the lung isn't going to function as well. So it depends where where that clot is, how severe or bad that can be. And they can be fatal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why it's good to get them spotted and, and, and treated. And um, some risk factors include prolonged travel Mm -hmm. or prolonged sitting, you know, after after surgery. 
after an injury. Um, there's some medications that can increase your risk of a blood clot, including birth control pills. There are illnesses that can increase your risk, including COVID-19. Yeah, what have we been learning about that? Or what are we seeing with COVID-19 and, and blood clots? That people can be at increased risk of having a clot after having COVID-19. And it do doesn't mean necessarily even in that first week. Okay. It can be later. Okay. Too. Mm -hmm. You mentioned prolonged travel. What are some recommendations you have when it comes to traveling? Hopefully, hopefully people are getting out and traveling this summer a little bit. Uh, if we're traveling, what for a long period of time? What do you recommend? You might want to stop more frequently to stretch your legs out while you're sitting there. You can stretch your legs out if you're. Uh, airline travel, getting up in the cabin and walking around a little bit might be a reason to do an aisle seat. Mm -hmm. um, you could wear compression socks, and that can help squeeze those veins in, in your leg so they don't clot up there. Mm -hmm. I've had people that, did, uh, that were hardcore runners mm -hmm. that had a blood clot because that repetitive trauma the the running was was hard enough that somehow impact on imp it, mm -hmm. yeah was somehow Im uh, caused a um a blood clot because any damage to the the vessel endothelium then that can trigger the cascade of clotting factors to to form form a clot so how do you diagnose a blood clot how do you decide yep this is what is causing your shortness of breath so as far as a blood clot in the chest, mm -hmm. there's a CT scan that we can do that looks at the vessels in the chest to see if there's a clot. Um, before that, sometimes we can do a, a D-dimer blood test that if it's elevated, doesn't mean there is or isn't a clot, but if it's normal or negative, that rules out a clot pretty well. Mm, okay. But there's other factors that can make it be high. But mm -hmm. if it's high, yeah, there could be a clot going on, and then then we may want to proceed with the CT scan. In, in a similar manner for the a clot in the legs or the arms or anywhere where, where it's swollen, red, or painful, calf pain, um, we might want to do an ultrasound of the leg to look in the vessel in the leg to see if there's a vein where there's a clot. And then um, that can be a clue, clue mm -hmm. too. How are blood clots usually treated? If you do identify there is a blood clot, what do you do? Then we'd want to treat that with a blood thinner. Okay. And then that clot gradually helps to break up. Now, uh, and then that person might be on a blood thinner for three months, maybe six months, maybe even longer if... They've got a genetic reason. Some people have a genetic reason mm -hmm. that they're predisposed to clots. They've got some sort of clotting factor uh, uh, change that makes them at higher risk. And so now they want to be on a blood thinner to decrease their risk. Um, or if, once again, if there's some other factor that just makes them at higher risk, cancer can increase your risk of a clot mm -hmm. as well. Sometimes if it's a bad enough clot in the chest, they might even see some vascular person try to remove that clot. 
Mm, okay. Sometimes if a person has a large deep vein thrombosis, DVT, clot in the leg, and it's so high risk or they can't be on a blood thinner or something, it might put a filter in to filter that from ke- keeping it from going up into the lung. Oh, so they put the filter like down in the yeah. leg to catch the clot before it causes problem. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And then do they but remove t- the filter and clot? Maybe later sometime, yeah. but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, okay. But typically um, a person would be on a blood thinning medication and anticoagulant medication. Now I know that can have some risks with it too. I feel like if anyone's going in for a surgery or procedure, they want you to stop your blood thinners, right? So what are the risks with using a blood thinner? Obviously they have a great benefit if you have a blood clot, but what are some of those risks? Bleeding would be the biggest risk, mm-hmm. and especially, you know, so if someone had an injury, mm-hmm. you know, now you're going to bleed easier. It's going to be hard to stop the bleeding um, or, a, you know, a GI bleed if someone's got an ulcer or something or if they take a lot of ibuprofen and now they're and they're also on a blood thinner now and now they end up pooping blood or mm-hmm you know, having blood in, bleeding somewhere, black or bloody stools or something. Hmm. Um, but uh, bleeding is going to be the, the, the biggest risk with the blood thinning medication that you have to kind of weigh the, the pros and cons. But when we think about the reasons why someone's on a blood thinner, whether it's to prevent a stroke or prevent a clot and a PE, pulmonary embolism, blood clot in the lung that can be fatal sometimes if you weigh that with well i had such severe bleeding i was in the hospital Mm -hmm. but thankfully typically we can reverse that by giving you some blood and helping you do better whereas maybe the the damage from a pe or a stroke might be irreversible Mm -hmm. gotcha so Constantly weighing our costs and benefits, aren't we? Yeah. Making these decisions. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. Our programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Attention drivers, there are many bikers on the road. Please remember these rules. Share the road. Bicyclists have the same rights to the road as motor vehicles do. It is the law to allow three feet between your car and the bicyclist. Give bicyclists space on the road. When turning right, look right before proceeding. Always check the sidewalks as well as the traffic lanes when merging or turning. Slow down and watch for pedestrians and bicyclists. The Avera Medical Group Brookings encourages drivers as well as bikers to help prevent accidents. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1400. 30. Dr. Ellsworth, we have a, we have a follow-up question uh, regarding clotting and vitamin K. Is there, tell us more about that. Yeah, I mean, if you're short on vitamin K, you may have trouble clotting. 
Um, what we usually have the biggest issue with vitamin K is for those that are on warfarin, uh, the old type of blood thinner medication, um, vitamin K can counteract that. Mm. So if someone is on warfarin, they got to watch how much vitamin K is in their diet. And so in green leafy vegetables that are good for you, I should have a salad. It'll be healthy. Good, but then that might counteract your warfarin, your Coumadin blood thinner medication, Mm -hmm. which means we may need to increase the dose on that. So sometimes we say, well, it's not that you can't eat those things, but try to eat those things relatively at the same frequency or same amount. So that way we kind of guide, know where, how much medication, because from person to person, due to genetics and due to diet, and other things in the environment, sometimes we have to adjust their medication dose. So that's why that blood thinner warfarin, anticoagulant medication, people have to come in, they might go to the Coumadin clinic and get their blood tested once a month and sometimes get their dose adjusted and then we we change it. Nice thing about that medication, it's tried and true and Mm -hmm. been around a long time and it's cheap. Mm -hmm. And so... That's good. But you got to have those blood checks usually once a month, sometimes more often, especially when you're first getting going or if there's if the levels are up and down. But there's some newer ones that are really nice because you don't have to get these checks near as often. Um, some of them are once a day. Some of them are twice a day. They might uh, even have a lower risk of bleeding Mm -hmm. or can be reversed quicker Mm -hmm. than the warfarin, Coumadin, but they're often expensive. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's the drawback with those. You're talking about this consistent diet and all of that. Um, Reminded me, I was just watching, I have a small vegetable garden. I was just watching a video about tomatoes and how it's important to consistently water them at the same time of day. Uh, Otherwise, you might see some leaf shrivel, right? So it might kind of, the leaf kind of folds up because it's thirsty, but it'll come back open. But just that consistent diet, we can see it very obviously in our plants if we aren't watering them consistently. But you're mentioning how these this consistent diet with this medication is so important too. So we, you don't get things out of whack. So we're not shriveling up, right? Right, <laughs> so right. A consistent, consistent diet. Sounds like a good essay sometime now. <laughs> there you go. Talk Keep about the plants. Mind. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. If you want to give us a call with your questions at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Be aware, with warmer weather, you may find ticks. Ticks live in grassy, bushy, or wooded areas. Spending time outside walking your dog, camping, gardening, or hunting can bring you in close contact with ticks. To prevent ticks from attaching, treat your clothes and gear with products containing 0.5% permethrin. Permethrin can be used to treat boots, clothing, and camping gear and remains protective through several washings. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. 
Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to answer our medical questions. We have a few minutes left. If you want to give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. In the summer in our Prairie Doc broadcasting, we get to revisit some of our television shows from earlier in the year. This week, uh, we're revisiting a show on preventative health. Dr. Ellsworth, you want to tell us a little bit about that show you did uh, earlier this year? Yeah, I had uh, Dr. Mark List from Avera Medical Group in Sioux Falls and Dr. Lisa Brown from Monument Health in Custer. And uh, they're both family docs. And so we were talking about all different preventative health care topics, which includes cancer screenings. Mm-hmm. but also just healthy healthy tips and uh i think we touched on weight loss and we touched on exercise and we touched on diet and all different uh questions that came in came in and the benefits of preventative health care mm-hmm. you know where all the how we don't want to just wait till we're we're sick it's nice to nip things in the butt <laughs> early and and get them get them taken care of mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there were some great discussions on that show reminding us of those lifestyle choices we make um, regarding exercise and and diet for our overall health. So uh, great reminders on there. And what do you you think, Dr. Ellsworth? Here we are in summer. What are some tips you have for people to, to keep those lifestyle, to make good choices for our health? What do you have for us today? Well, it's, you, you can't uh, make any excuse about not being outside right now, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, except when the air quality is bad, I guess, uh, sure. now. But it's not so hot right now. So nice to get outside, go for a walk today, and and weed weed the garden. <laughs> yes, could do that today. <laughs> yes. And, um, uh, and remember your sunscreen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's... Uh, I take off a lot of skin cancers off of ears. So remember your ears and, and uh, your nose and your shoulders and, and, and everywhere in the sun. You mentioned the air quality thing. We haven't really talked about that on Prairie Doc Radio. What, what are your thoughts? When is it concerning for your patients when it comes to the air quality issues? I definitely had uh, people, uh, you know, notice it with their breathing and, and uh, other allergies Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes, yes, it's allergies, but some of this is from the poor air quality, too. Um, and so you, we've got the Canadian fires that have still been going on. It just kind of depends on the wind, where in the U.S. they're more of an issue, mm-hmm. uh, let alone, I'm sure, our own uh, fires out west at some point will become more of an issue again, too. And so um, there's times where you may not want to be outside, uh, or or have a mask on, or limit your time outside anyway. Um, and thankfully, there's some people that doesn't seem to bother them much, mm-hmm. but it still can be like smoking a pack of cigarettes. Um, and so that that takes its toll over time too. And so, you know, watch it. You can check on any of your phones or websites what the air quality is, and it gives you a guide on how unhealthy that is Mm -hmm. and when it's getting up to you know past 100 that's getting more concerning and certainly 200 it's not a good idea to be outside Mm -hmm. so okay so it is worthwhile to consider especially if you maybe have some 
health issues too. Yeah. All right. Well, before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. Join us this coming Thursday for an encore On Call with the Prairie Doc. Prairie Doc host Dr. Andrew Ellsworth is joined by Dr. Mark List from Avera Medical Group and Dr. Lisa Brown from Monument Health Custer Clinic to talk about the benefits of preventative health and take viewer questions. So tune in tomorrow night on SDPB television or look for this episode on the Prairie Doc YouTube channel or Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube and for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org and look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Andrew Ellsworth for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people. <laughs>